Are you there? Oh yeah, we've got contact. Oh, are we we're doing the podcast now. You're coming in loud and clear, my man. We're doing the. This is the you podcast. You're on the air. Welcome to the future. Oh my God, I didn't realize the future was so now because I thought yep. now we were gonna we were gonna have a lesson. Nope. No less. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, what, whatever you want to do. Just, <laughs> I want to, I want to commemorate it on, on by having you on the show. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to. Thanks for having me. Of course. <laughs> I'm just, uh, just been having a good time, and uh, I think I, I think I, I think I can play the blues guitar now. Oh yeah. Oh um, yes. Proclaim it. I mean, it. I feel like I, I feel like I got it. <laughs> you know, it needs much refinement. You know, like I was listening to, uh, I was reading an interview with Keith Jarrett today from, I don't know, must have been from 20 years ago. But Keith Jarrett was saying, uh, you know, the touch that he gives the the what he pulls out of himself physically while he's playing goes into the touch and that makes it unique or different or it gives it life you know and that's the whole thing so i thought that was cool um and that was a good way to think about it and to and to think about working and like how much you have the whole your whole life to put in into every touch, you know. So that's nice. So that everything is contained. The universe is contained in my little touch. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that's in the same way as all the light that comes in. The thing that you're seeing right now at this moment—that's your point of view. It's like you've also got your point of contact. Yeah. So that's pretty amazing. I mean, that's pretty, it was pretty good. I mean, it, 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 it playing, you got my, you listened to my recording, right? Oh, my, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. I put my licks in and they, they yep. sounded okay. Yes. You know, but I, the you structure know. and the, and the vocabulary are married now. They are comfortable with each other. Yeah, I think I think it feels that way, and I felt okay. You you have this now. <laughs> this is just now you have it. You can use that as your platform to to keep going. Awesome. Well, let's see if you make some contact with that guitar, man. Oh, right now. Right oh, now. Man. Turn on the looper. Let's let's let it rip. I'm so tired because I've been playing this. Well, I think you'll like this because. Um, well, I'll, I have a, I'm pretty good. I got some pretty good effects going. I just have to make sure that my. I'm going to tune up though, if you don't mind. By all means, we tune because we care. I've been doing so much string bending that this thing gets out of 
out of whack real fast. Because I, you know, the thing is, I wanted to say about the Keith Jarrett thing is like a lot of this with the electric guitar. Well, with every with every instrument, but the electric guitar, it's like this this whole tone situation. You know, it's finding the right tone that that feels like it's your tone. Amen. That you can live with. I'm just learning that. That's cool. Yeah, well, you're, you're feeling around for your personal taste because there are certain frequencies that your ear and your mind like a little bit of extra boost on just because, you know, like your favorite flavor of ice cream. And, yeah, that's what you're trying to find. Yeah, man. So, because um, I, you know, I think we were talking about Albert King. And, you know, I that old thing that everyone says is true that, you know, you learn a couple of basic Albert King licks and you could play to Albert King all day because, you know, it's great. So anyway, let me see if this looper thing has what we had in it last time that, 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 uh, New Orleans thing. Yes.
I got it's more than I oh my god beautiful no I deserve a beating for those mistakes believe me but that's okay I'm good with that <laughs> beautiful well hey that's exactly the attitude that you should have towards your own mistakes there are some areas where I the performer recognize that next time I'll make a different choice but I forgive myself as the listener of course does and uh, yeah that's exactly the way you should you should think about it. But I have way more things to compliment you about than I have to scold you for. Because first of all, the tone. You talked a big game about the tone and you 100% delivered. It had like that nice, crisp, like high-end uh, reverb that gave it like filled in some of the ceiling, which was nice because we had that bass loop, which by the way, was something that you played on a bass guitar into a loop pedal beforehand set it and forget it, which is really cool. And then played over that. The distortion was delicate, you know? It was triggering that uh, breakup in the amplifier on those hard notes. And yeah, I like that. And by and large, your melodies were totally agreeing with the chord progression. And you even, like, bum, 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 you referenced the bass yeah. melody a couple of times in the guitar which is so nice you're you're you know looking around you're giving a nod to everything else that's going on around you you're playing with your head up so that's great well you know we'll keep working on it yeah that's all it's all we can do it's a lifelong lifelong journey and uh you know what else Let's not have any dead air time. Dead air time is bad, they say. Well, yeah, they say it, but, <laughs> but we don't We don't say that here. We actually like the dead air. Oh, because it's like a real conversation then? Yeah. It's not scripted and all Exactly. This is cool. supposed to be the, the nitty gritty. This is like we're watching something in 4D, uh, or sorry, 4K HD that like shouldn't be. We're seeing like too many details. That's what we want. We're going for the hyper real Five. Yeah, you there? there's enough other people. There's enough other people doing the other thing. I'm to listen through my earphones, but how's oh, that? Mic check one two. Mic check one two. Am I coming in? Oh, good, good. I just didn't have enough volume. Oh, right. and plus, like today or last week, I I was reading. There's a new 
this guy, this mathematician that just won the won this won the award for his work in stochastic uh, derivations, whatever. Like he's this guy is figuring out mathematical models that can predict what happens when a drop of water falls on a piece of Kleenex and how it's how it spreads out. Wow. And how a a far a forest fire expand because you're talking about total totally chaotic developments, you know? Right. But and I was thinking this is what we were talking about that in the future they'll they'll be able to but I think it's going to require quantum computing which is going to require a huge amount of power but I'll leave that to the people who might be able to solve it but the idea is that the thing we talked about because that touch that we talked about that thing that's coming out of me when I play and you when you play on the finger on the string you know you it's all measurable and if it's measurable, then it can be reverse engineered. If it can be re- reverse engineered, then you've got, you know, Eric Clapton AI. A hundred percent. And so I think that'll be, so that, that blew my mind because that idea, this thing of the being able to map out what we would consider to be chaotic mathematically to predict it. I mean, other scientists or other mathematicians were saying that this guy, this son was, is like an alien because no one, no one could possibly wrap their brain around this problem until this guy. Wow. I didn't say it right. So, I mean, as far as the, um, what he won the award for, but it's like, I'm going to look it up. Well, yeah, but we... I mean, even still, that's like one of my favorite things about these times is that it's humans and, and AI working together to make these new breakthroughs. Because it's like the AI itself, theoretically somewhere in some virtual world, is seeing the whole model. The human is just seeing whatever's on the screen or however he's able to interface with it. But it's like teamwork. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty hard even to wrap my brain around it. But I I know I know enough to know that it it somebody can figure it out or it's getting figured out, and that's pretty cool. Oh yeah, it's extremely cool. I'm, tr- I'm just trying to find the thing. Da-da-da. The NSF Award, this is what this guy, I think, won, the National Science Foundation. Anyway, I wish I had done more research to before the call so I could remember what, what we were walk, talking about, what, what I was going to bring up, because I was excited to read this, you know, in the Times the other day. It was pretty amazing. So That is extremely exciting. Uh just because the the idea of being able to model 
completely chaotic situations so that they could be pre- predictable, then they're not chaotic anymore. If you can predict what's going to happen, then it's, I guess it's not chaos anymore. Absolutely. Right? So if you could do that, you're in good shape. Yeah. Well, you need a good um, computer engineer who can figure out like, what are the elements that we need to take account of in order to account for like the human effect? Cause there are factors at play causes and effects in that wildfire that don't affect humans or that are in some other kind of space or rather can be prioritized down. And maybe that's the human element. And then just the brute force computing of it is where the computer comes in. Well, the brute force computing of it would seem to me, what's interesting to me is that if you can do neural mapping, you know, because it would seem to me that all the chemical reactions that take place within our neural networks and, and those, those, all those things are unique, discrete things that happen that would look would seem like a lot of gobbledygook, you know. But if if you didn't know how to um, predict them, or you didn't know how to map them, if you could map them, then we're then we're on our way. That's what this guy has done. He's come up with a mathematical model. You know, math doesn't lie. Math is. Math is uh, the thing. So, um, random noise vibrations transmitted to the feet of a healthy 75-year-old triggers neurological feedback that permits people to adjust their balance. So it's a matter of reading it and knowing it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Man, that technology where they put something against the surface of the skin and like use vibrations to simulate different kinds of touch, like exactly that. Cause that's something where someone maybe couldn't even be standing up and you could do that kind of therapy. That's so cool. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing, but I also, uh, I'm extremely worried about what's going on. <laughs> if I were to worry, if one were to worry, well, what worries you? Well, we appear to be at the on the brink of the apocalypse. <laughs> we appear to be. I mean, here's what worries me: my my cousins in California. I've been texting for three days and I haven't heard from them. And you know, they they're right in the middle of that. And then my friend, my other friends who live in Portland, were just like, "Man, the sky is." The sky is orange and we can't we can't breathe if we go out, you know, so that seems like it's all coming together. And they say the fires are all coming together as one big fire. And, uh, you know, these it's not possible to really figure out or or I don't know, to, we don't know what's going on. I mean, it's like we're we're in chaos. We're in the chaos, and we don't know the, all these chaotic things happening together simultaneously. How they how they create an even new dynamic, right? Because the 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 as I'm reading, okay, this is what am I worried about? Uh, I'm worried that you know, like these pieces of the Antarctic life uh, ice shelf broke off that are like the size of Florida. And that if the water water rises ten feet, my I'll be gone. 
where I live. It won't. You know, Nantucket will be gone. Right. Nantucket will be Atlantis. It will be Atlantis. Perhaps will be studied in in future years. You know. Yeah, people will be finding uh, like shreds of cranberry colored shorts fabric on faraway beaches. Yeah, but they won't. They won't have any reference to know what that right. means, right? They'll, they'll 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 have to think about it, like like archaeologists, <laughs> right? So you know, there's the rise and disintegration of civilizations, you know, and um, that could be what what's happening. If we can't get people to wear masks, how are we going to get people to change the way they live their lives to? do something about climate control, climate change, you know? Right. Uh, that's scary. So then I was reading, so then that led me to despair. But then in my despair, I started reading Joseph Campbell. Oh, yes. And it's like, what he's saying is, he talks about, the destruction of civilizations and the fact that you can't, you can, I mean, he quotes Toynbee, Arnold Toynbee, the great historian who wrote the six volume study of the laws of the rise and disintegration of civilizations, schism in the world, schism in the body social. It will not be solved by any scheme of return to the good old days that's archaism. That's what we have a lot of people thinking that mm-hmm. today. Or by programs guaranteed to tender an ideal projected future. Futurism. That's like Bernie Sanders. Right? right? You know? Or, or the most realistic, hard-headed work to weld again, back together again, these deteriorating elements. That's Joe Biden. Right? That's oh, what yeah. he's saying. Well, we're just going to take this thing and make it work again. Um, but I guess what Campbell is saying is that, well, he is saying it, he's saying only, only birth can conquer death, you know, the birth of something new. So, well, we just don't know what that will be or how to get there. You know, there's nothing we could do except be crucified and resurrected, dismembered totally and then reborn. So, you know. (laughs) <laughs> that's the way spiritually we have to think about it i guess that that'll provide some comfort oh yeah right? absolutely well our generation has a spiritual obstacle it's like can you handle the possibility of humanity surviving only as computer models saved on some hard drive that can survive the apocalypse i you know i don't know then the question is, is what has survived? Is there, have we really achieved survival as we, as we knew it? Or is, I mean, I think that's what Campbell is saying. You're going to be reborn to a, a, a consciousness, I guess, that, that doesn't find any of this to be relevant anymore. You know, like well, you're, exactly. you're, I mean, the easiest, you know, think of cave paintings. It's like, okay, that was their version of AI. You know, it's like the best way that we can model ourselves is by making this ink and putting it on the cave walls where it's somewhat shielded from the elements and maybe it will survive. Like, we just have the fanciest cave paintings ever 
but there will still be some civilization that has better than cave paintings that will recognize that as not a complete facsimile of whatever was there. Yeah, so yeah, and, but and and that's good because that's that's like the role of art yeah. to be alive. That that the art will is one way to be reborn. You know, the high, the 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 spiritual dimension that you attain and that'll make possible creation is what Joseph Campbell is saying, you know, and, and life potentialities that were never, we never managed to bring to adult realization. Those other portions of ourself are there. They're, they're golden seeds. They won't die. If only a portion of that lost totality could be dredged up into the light of day. That's, I think that means the raising of the consciousness, the seeing of, experiencing of 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 life as we are living it uh then we will have expanded our powers you know so that's interesting that's gives me <laughs> that gives yeah me i agree i think that golden seed is laid in the earth no matter what you know wherever we are when we reach the end there we will be and it's this inevitable unfolding. It's like if we're afraid of change, then it will happen. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. So, I don't know. So that might make us feel better about what's going on and not, and not lose our minds. <laughs> because uh it's easy to it's easy to despair i mean you look at these photographs of san francisco i mean god you know to see the sky orange dark orange during the middle of the day you're kind of like you know and then you don't hear from people that you know and you hear the people that you do hear from who are in the same (laughs) they're not anywhere near uh Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. They're in Portland, Oregon, but they're going through the same thing. And they're not they're not near Seattle, but Seattle's going through the same thing. So so there's this one giant disaster system that's been that's roiling around, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean it it rightfully gives us pause <laughs> at the very least. I know it really makes you feel like uh, I don't, you know, like I, I don't know, I I don't know. It makes you feel like why bother, right? <laughs> or it certainly makes you feel like this things are not important. There's no ur- urgency to any of our personal needs that that that's worth getting uh, exercised about. You know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, all of humanity right now is on this trip. And when you're in the trip, you're outside of the normal paradigm looking in. And yeah, there's really, there kind of is nothing to do but just allow it to occur. Like, not to say give up, but just to kind of see our part as very small in it. Well, very small, but the most important part. Right, right, right. right? Well said. At the same time, if we can, you know, get to that, that'll be, that'll be amazing. 
Um, it's just, but the role of, uh, of the music and the art is, is the thing. Cause that's the most, that's everything that that's inside that is been told not to come out. <laughs> you know, it's asked to come out if you can get paid, but it will pay you to, to, to put some of it out there. Yeah, exactly. But, I heard a very interesting radio show talking about the like end game of automation. Like after factory jobs, it's like then it just goes up the food chain of like what can a robot do that a human used to do. And they were talking right. about how there will be this brief period, like depending on how fast the curve happens, where like human resources the things that are really like squishy human like being a guidance counselor like certain types of teachers like maybe like certain kinds of nursing like and then eventually creative output like making songs editing videos you know whatever it is where that will be like kind of raised up if only briefly in society, because it's like the only thing that hasn't been automated out of human uh, responsibility. That's why I play oh, music yeah. because I, I don't want to do any more, th- anything that could be done by a robot. <laughs> that's why I paint. Cause it's like, if I get that out of myself, that's something that no one, no one could get out of anything except me, you know, like no one could do that except me. No one could be me except me. So not that, I'm the most important thing in the world, but, but being yourself is a good thing. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I don't know. Well, the feeling, the feeling right? you get from it is different. Like I feel a welling up and welling out of energy of positive energy when I, yeah, paint something, draw something, write some music, perform some music, record something. Because when I'm in my flow, I'm engaging my own spiritual root, which is this unique signature that, yeah, can't be, copied by a robot and there is something inherently nice about that and you can't you can't get it by willing it to be you know you have to let it come out of you you have to give in to the process of it the process doesn't in other words you can't you can't live your life going through all these sort of commercial transactions and then expect that when you get to the paint with your canvas and brush that you're going to, that you're going to do it the same way, you know, it's not going to happen that way. You're going to, it's going to have to happen a different way. You're going to have to find another way to make, make the thing you want happen, happen. It won't be happened by, (laughs) it won't happen by buying something (laughs) that gives you that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going through this whole recording uh, boot camp I've been putting myself through having to play engineer and also play performer because those two people are not always ready at the same time even if they're both me mm. you know it's like I can have all the gear set up everything's ready but then just my mind's not in the right place I'm like thinking about other stuff I just I can't get a good take because I can't focus and bring the emotion for the full three minutes to get like a continuous take of something and Oh, that happens to me every they, day. Yeah, exactly. But sometimes the other way. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm ready, but I'm like out in the world somewhere because I've seen something inspiring, obviously, because I'm outside yeah. of my normal element. So it's like, oh, there's, and I could do this, and, uh, but I know like, by the time I get back, 
that's you know engineer wilson will be ready but performer wilson will be like ah the moment is gone yeah i mean you know i think the the trick is to be able to switch yourself into that moment when you need Mm -hmm. to that's what the pros do (laughs) you know but even but keith jarrett was saying i you know i he because keith jarrett will do like he's he's you know his his improvised concerts are like it's just him sitting there for an hour and a half playing you know and he he says like you think it's easy or you think it's free to do that but it's it exacts a terrible toll you know you can't uh it's hard to it takes a lot out of you. So like when I play Mozart, it's one thing because I, at least when I play someone else's music, I don't have to think of anything except playing what they wanted, but what they were saying to play, you know, but it's just very interesting. There's an, a long interview in the New York times and I urge everyone to, to read it today. Uh, his, his thoughts about the process are amazing. And, uh, you know, I, and then, he really like he went off on Winton Marsalis like you wouldn't believe, uh, like saying oh he's just a good trumpet player and people who could do a lot of different styles are just imitating other people. It was this whole really thing. he was negative was like, about Winton Marsalis. He was negative, and sometimes when people are negative about other people, especially in the arts, it's it's a little bit weird because they're just projecting their own needs you know and uh and their own anxieties so i i'm 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 leery of that you know i mean it's just difficult to take any of that seriously in one way you know but it's interesting because of 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 what the concerns are of that person who's saying these yeah, things. Yeah, well, his you know? perspective is sound. I mean, because if you just talk about man hours that you put into it, like if you spend more time on perfectly recreating these different, like, period styles, then that's a specific skill that you're building. And, like, yeah, it rubs yes. off on your on your personal improvisation, but that's its own skill. If you don't spend time synthesizing like Keith Jarrett someone who does entire improvised concerts and entire tours of improvised concerts his man hours that he has put in you know human hours that he's put into doing that skill which is synthesizing all of the other stuff into his own voice yeah he's going to be better at that and if that's your goal then spending all that time on other people's playing yeah you are wasting your time but it's its own thing that has its own merit absolutely absolutely Absolutely. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I take it seriously. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss it because I guess the article was Gary Peacock died and Gary Peacock was the bass player with Paul Motian and Keith Jarrett. And they, they also were into this, into, they were all Zen. They were really into Zen and Buddhism and, and all of that. And uh, it's just amazing how they got to that. Um, 
so that these guys, but, but I think he's saying, Keith Jarrett's saying, you know, I grew up, I, I was good at the piano. They, you know, they gave me the lessons. I really didn't want to do the lessons. You know, at one point they said to me, you could study with this incredibly famous, prestigious teacher who's like for the, you know, the classical piano. He said, I don't want to learn that. I want to, I want to dive into improvisation and jazz. That's what I wanted to, you know, he didn't want to learn like how to read the, you know, although he does know how to do all this stuff and he's recorded a lot of classical music. So he's no, certainly no slouch, but you know, that again, that's another kind of thing where, where you're, you're being, you're being molded into this kind of virtuosic performer. That's not the same as being just a good classical musician. You know, you're, you're being molded to give a performance that is going to be, first of all, you're going to get paid a lot of money because people pay a lot of money to see it, but it's really forcing you into a place maybe that you don't, didn't want to be in. Yeah. Well, it places you in a lineage, you know, you're expected by the other people, by the rest of the community who are also part of that lineage to like reference the establishment. Yeah, but like they're different yeah, jobs. Exactly. You know what I mean? That that's all. It's you know, and he's uh, just very injured. The guy was like saying, you know, people, you know, the record companies came to Keith Jarrett and said, "We'll give you like all kinds of money to make some records." He said, "No, I'm not doing that <laughs> because then I'll be I'll be forced to do all this stuff that I don't want to do." Maybe. And uh, I just think that's it's amazing because he's like 70, right? He's just, which is my age. But he's been doing this for, since he was a kid. And he has definite ideas about it. And he's managed to survive doing what he loved to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's something to be said for that. But it's interesting. It's like how you make your way through life. Uh, you know, like, what are you after? Like, what's, what's he trying to do? He's trying to, I mean, he'll say that he's trying to give you the same primitive experience that people had when music first got played, which I think you can get there, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you could get there when you play. That's what we're doing when we're playing music is trying to trying to. That's why people are listening to it, you know, because they they want to feel oh, yeah. that. So, I don't know, it's just really, it's cool, but you know, you need a vocabulary and you need a technique and you need to learn how to do stuff. Yeah, and well, once uh, again, it's like the it's you the know, art meeting the craft it's like maybe the classical reproduction is the way more on the craft side but art is this more like ephemeral like thing of the moment so anything that is like retro or regressive maybe has a harder time like being worked back up to the moment worked back into art and it's those two things kind of fighting yeah and then the thing is you've got to 
you know, people won't pay attention if you if you can't, <laughs> you know, if you can't play uh, Duke Ellington, you can't. People won't pay attention, <laughs> right? Know? They they in jazz. Well, they might, but well, but it's like you know, knowing the lingo. You know, it's like knowing the things to reference. Yeah. It's like knowing your crowd, your audience, knowing like. I can reference this movie because this crowd of people is this, you know, has had this experience. Same thing with music. It's like the listeners of this genre understand this language. If I give them this little wink, then they'll know I'm addressing them directly. Right. Oh, here's an article. 52 years ago, Thelonious Monk played a concert at a high school. Now everyone can hear it. Oh, they found the recording. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. As you know, I, I was really touched by reading his biography. Yeah. And um, they mentioned this, this concert he did in Palo Alto, in Northern California. This is like in 19, the late 60s. And the student had decided that he wanted to p- put this concert on. And he... He was really, you know, it was the kid. He was like the social commissioner. Uh, oh, wait. No, no. Yeah, yeah. He was, the, he was the social commissioner at Palo Alto High School. And he, so his job was to in, organize dance and assemblies, right? So he, he heard that uh, Monk was around because Monk was there, you know, and you could get Monk to come. Monk didn't mind playing for $500 for like two hours. Right. You know, which is what he, you know, if they sold tickets for, for like a dollar and you got like 500 people there, you know, it was whatever. He, he didn't have a problem with that. <laughs> he needed the money, was the thing. Right. You know, he's like, I'll, I'm there. I'll, I'll yeah. play. You know, I'll, you know, um, cause he had, he was there for a three week stint at the jazz workshop. So his old brother drives there to pick him up. And there were no plans to preserve the concert, but a school janitor asked Mr. Schur whether he could record the show if he tuned the piano. So he said, yeah. (laughs) So now 52 years later, we have an album called Palo Alto, 47-minute concert. Oh, my God. Which, you know, amazing. Totally amazing. what a cool moment. And just thinking about the young lives that were touched there. You know, like, who knows what, who were the kids in the audience who, like, went on to become musicians and instructors and, you know, band leaders themselves? Because I'm sure that was whatever marching band or whatever in the school at the time, the instructor was probably like, yo, come to this. See, this was at a time, too, when he goes into this in the book, Palo Alto, which is mostly white and East Palo Alto, which is mostly black, there was like, let's say, friction. Right, right. <laughs> Since Martin Luther Martin Luther King and Robert Kennedy had been assassinated, it was a very uneasy time, and it was very, uh, very difficult. So some of these, some of the cultural people, white people, were like, let's let's have appreciation for black culture so let's bring in some jazz musicians let's bring so 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 that this will lead to some sort of harmonious understanding of another culture so we won't we're not at each other's throats that was the idea i guess it was pretty 
perhaps naive to think that, but, but this is what people were into at the time. And, uh, I could say at the time for me, you could go to, you could go to a party and there'd be, there'd be black people there. This was in New York. There'd be black people there and white people there. And, you know, Spanish, Puerto Rican people there and people were doing stuff together. You know, it wasn't always like super friendly, but sometimes it was. Right. And other times it was a little, there was a little friction, but it it was, you know, people just trying to, people just in a, a different kind of situation, but everyone was committed to the idea that we can, this is for everyone and we can all be here. We're not gonna, we're not gonna make any limit, put any limits on, you know, we're, we're not, we're into integration. We're not into segregation. So, um, absolutely. So well, it's, I think that does work for a segment of the population on both sides of that aisle, right? Like using music and arts and culture as a neutral meeting ground and a place for exchange. I think even if maybe, yeah, naive on the large, large scale, but there's always communities of people who want to come together because of something other than their race. Yeah, like the police had had told this guy not to put up posters advertising the show. Yeah, so <laughs> so he he put up a he just put he put them up anyway. Right. Come to see Thelonious Monk at Palo Alto High School, you know. So like the police were like, "Hey, you shouldn't re- really be doing this. You know, you're gonna you're gonna cause trouble. You know." So the kid, he was like, I got to sell tickets, you know, and they're $2 tickets. Right. (laughs) I mean, so so this thing happened. And that's like, how else are we going to, you know, when people are in the state of, of listening to music together in a group, it's a, it's a community activity. What other activities could we have together? You know, like. So that's got to be a good thing for us. That's where the, that's where things get hopeful that way. Um, but the, the interesting part is that it only happens through touching the most basic parts of what, what is human about us, which is things like music, dancing, visual art, whatever, you know, colors, you know, it's great. great. Absolutely. So, um, you know, and they were, this was the monk quartet at, at its pretty much last gasp as a, and, and at its creative height, they'd been playing together a lot, you know, and monk after this, a few years after this, he, he just, he can't play anymore. Cause he had a terrible, he had a terrible time. Cause he had, he was bipolar. They didn't know what it was, and they would they would like give him massive doses of Thorazine, oh, wow. and he would take that. But then when he felt like felt like bad, he would take more of it, you know, because he didn't know what to. So he would just keep taking more of the Thorazine, right. and then he would drink to, to yeah. calm down, you know. So you could imagine what that is like, you know. So it 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 just it really did him in, and. uh it's a sad thing. You know, if you read about his life, it's a sad, sad thing. Um, anyway. Yeah, but so many of those moments, like, along the way, you know, including the concert at Palo Alto, like, just 
no matter who you are and what your like personal story is, there is this thing that music does that just creates these moments where people do come together, even when you have the police saying, don't put up your posters. Yeah. Well, that was sort of like youthful defiance, right. you know? Because the stat, the, see, the, the reverse thing was for cops, was like while they were horrible with black people, they, you know, with, with a white kid, they're like seeing their own mm-hmm. kid. So they're like, they're like, uh, you know, they're much easier, you know? I mean, I got busted once for a, for a, we were, had a riot on our, this was a small riot. It wasn't a, what I was going to ask, the Union Carbide recruiters were coming and Union Carbide was heavily vested in South Africa. So there was a big scuffle with the police. Uh, they grabbed me and put me in jail. So I, they took me down to the tombs and, and all of the cops, and this is, all of the cops were basically Italian and Irish guys that, you know, were the same, you know, they, they, they like saw my name. They said, so what are you doing here? Right. What are you doing? You're an Italian guy. You're like us. Why are you, what are you doing this for? <laughs> you, you knucklehead. Right. Blah, right. blah, blah. So they weren't, uh, but had it been black, they would have probably knocked the crap out of me. You know, so that's the way that goes. Right. But I mean, thank goodness for you and, you know, the rest of us who ask who ask and answer that question. Like, why am I here, even though I'm part of this group that has some, you know, comfortable position, you know, this group that you'd expect to be less afraid of tussling with the cops? Yeah, well, at that point, I was like, uh, you know, I it. it it was difficult the whole the whole thing was difficult you know right. just it was it's very scary but the thing was this is 1968 69 rather so by the so um, now the problem is we're we're back to that again you know and and this is the thing like the police union in new york supports donald trump and who is the police union in New York? They're all like descendants of the white people of New York that either left and went to Long Island or stayed in the boroughs and resented anybody of color that was living around them. So these and these are people that join the police and the police are not good. The police culture is bad. It's the thing people will not admit. And the police union protects its own and that's the whole problem you can't you can't fix it you know i i mean as chris rock said you know there's certain professions you can't have a bad apple in you know like you can't you can't have bad apples in the in the airline pilot (laughs) industry you know like the well most of our pilots are really good but these few they tend to just crash a lot so (laughs) they're just a few bad apples you know but in this case, it's all, you know, it's all everyone. These cops all mentor one another. They all work as a team. It's always like us against them. And they have a camaraderie that they feel is necessary. Right. And, the uh, name of the game is really, yeah, creating an institution that doesn't, doesn't allow those bad apples. There are industries and places where that 99.9% 
is the only thing that's good enough. Right. So it's like we're we're just like back to that. Or at least that's being exposed at the moment. So we know what's happening. Right. Well, it's seeing, yeah, it's, just, it's being revisited in a new context. Well, a lot of people who've never heard of it are seeing it again. Right. And they're going, wow, this is not good. <laughs> so, but who knows? Who knows what will, will happen? Hopefully right. there'll, there'll be restructuring. It's, see, for me, it's stupid because what any this doesn't work right the thing doesn't work <laughs> this thing doesn't work this thing where people are so unhealthy that this pandemic could kill you because you're unhealthy already well why were you unhealthy to begin with so you know what kind of do we really want to have a, a a country where a lot of the, most of the people are so vulnerable to disease that this will take them out in, in in no time, right? You know, how how that can't be good. It, it doesn't work. It's not functional. So maybe we need to rethink that the idea that gee, everyone everyone would be so much better off if everyone here were healthy. You know, like Australia only had twenty six thousand cases of uh, COVID, <laughs> and. Uh, it's not a lot compared to us. Right. So, um, yeah, well, I think there will be a recentering of values as there already has been. You know, people in having to adjust their lives have naturally been exposed to that and, yeah, made changes. I see more people jogging and, and all of that. I think there's a lot of good, even though there's, I mean, there won't be a point where we could say, like, oh, this was overall a blessing in disguise or whatever, because it's just. It's a slog. It's horrible. It's, you know, things are being mismanaged. It's all of this. But, like, that doesn't delete the good things that are coming out of it. Well, you know, I mean, it would be good if instead of trying to hold back the tide, <laughs> you know, you, you put so much energy in holding back the tide. You spent so much money holding back the tide. Right. That if you just let the tide flow, <laughs> you know, you'd things would be things would be fine. You know, like, what are you going to do? Keep fighting this rear guard action of, of authoritarian rule and law and order and without looking at why people are doing what they're doing, right. why these problems exist. You know, it's not out of the goodness of my heart for me that I want things to change. It's that people who are weak and unhealthy tend to be a drag on the rest of us. Right, exactly. It's, you know, mm-hmm. good for our global family to think about our, our physical human resources. So, yeah, I mean, things aren't working, so they have to be <laughs> fixed. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, I think humanity is, is uh, answering the call, and it'll be exciting to see. I hope so, um, because the Earth is... The Earth is saying, um, you know, you guys, you messed right. up really bad. Kind of saying, yeah, the time's up at this point. But, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see how uh, the human race responds to the challenge because we will in some kind of way. And it'll be interesting and it'll make a good story. Um, but, hey, man, I got to get oh. to my next session here. We do have to play some music, which we'll have to we'll, – we'll, when we are off the record here, we'll make that plan. Yeah, put, the, put that on hold. 
and and we'll do what we can yeah, when we yeah, can. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> so don't worry about that. And um, uh, you know, glad we had this little conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing so much to the uh, to the talk, man. This was a really fun and stimulating ride through the universe. Well, I've been reading a lot lately and thinking a lot lately. So you know, we're this is maybe that's maybe that's. Yeah. What, what this thing is good for is to get us to think more and oh read more and learn yeah. more. Right. Cause we need answers. All right. <laughs> awesome. Well, many, many blessings, my friend. And you too. Thank soon. you so much. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to press the leave recording button. Yep. You're doing it. Okay. <laughs>